Hey, Westside family, Jake Gilbert here, one of the leaders in charge of our media department. Thanks for joining us for today's message. We hope you are blessed by what God has been speaking to us through our pastors and leaders, and we pray this leads you into an even more intimate relationship with Jesus. We love you guys, and enjoy. I want to talk to you today, or tonight rather, about climbing a tree to get to Jesus. Look at someone and ask them, can you climb a tree? <laughs> I heard some no's. Now you need to tell them, well, you better start learning. Tell them you better start learning. So let me read the story. This is, a, this is the story of Zacchaeus uh, in, in uh, the Gospel of Luke, <clears throat> chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. It's very important to realize that. He was a chief, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. If you looked in uh, some other versions of the Bible, it would say because he was small. I like the term small. It better fits uh, the direction that I'm going I'm going with this. Verse 4. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste. Uh, again, other versions says uh, immediately. And come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste, or immediately, came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be with the guest, or to be a guest with the man who was a sinner. So I've got three major uh, little sections uh, I'm going to try to bring out tonight. If, if, uh, if I carry a little bit too long, then we'll pick it up next week. Uh, the first section is called Having It All, But Still Small. Let me say that again. I want you to think about it. Having it all, but still small. So when you look at verse 2 through verse 3, you see a few things that I've emphasized already. You see who Zacchaeus was, which is very important. He was a chief, chief tax collector. So he was the top of his field, had a lot of authority, a lot of influence, had a certain type of reputation, and he was rich. Uh, he was well-known. He was Whether he was liked or not, the Bible doesn't say. A lot of times, tax collectors was not liked, but simply because he was a chief and because he was rich, he would have been liked by certain people just because of his authority and just because of his possessions. Remember, sometimes people like you because what you do and what you have, not because who you are. That's not the way to have friends. But anyway, that's not the point. And it says that he sought to see Jesus, but he could not. And there's a reason he couldn't. He couldn't see Jesus. He couldn't connect with Jesus. He couldn't receive what he needed to receive from Jesus because he was small. Now, I'm not speaking in the physical context of him being small tonight. I'm speaking in the spiritual and the emotional context of him being small tonight. You can... You can have what the world prioritizes or what the world thinks is so important, fame, wealth, 
but yet still be small uh, in your spirit and therefore not have an access or not have a connection uh, with God. What's, what has stood out to my mind uh, in, in this particular uh, part of the story is we see that Jesus was moving in a certain way. And we see that there was a lot of people that was experiencing Jesus. Uh, sometimes we ourselves, we can see that, that Jesus is moving in a certain way for people. Jesus, Jesus is doing certain things uh, for people. But yet, for whatever reason, it can seem like we're on the outside. Have you ever been there? Where you've seen Jesus working for other people, but Jesus just wasn't working for you. At least in the context that you desired or wanted him to, to work for you. Uh, sometimes this could be in the example of job. You see people being blessed with the job, but you're struggling at your job. It can be in the sense of career. You can see people climbing the career ladder, but maybe you're stuck on the bottom or just in limbo. You can witness people uh, have, having blessed marriages, but maybe your marriage is a struggle. You can see people <clears throat> fulfilling certain aspects of, uh, of ministry, but yet you're not in a place of purpose. You can see people being given us a lot of opportunity in many, many different areas of life, but maybe you feel like there's nothing for you. You can see people that has all this health and this uh, wellness uh, uh, of their being, but yet maybe you struggle. You can see people that has a lot of friends and, and they're admired and they're, they're, they're supported and respected, but yet maybe you feel like no one looks at you. There's a lot of reasons, a lot of things that we can use as examples, examples and be like, we see that Jesus has passed their way, but yet we feel on the outside. And this was Zacchaeus's uh, experience here. People was seeing Jesus, hearing Jesus, touching Jesus, and maybe even receiving from Jesus. The Bible doesn't say whether they did or whether they didn't. But nonetheless, there was this interaction going on with Jesus, except for him. He couldn't get through. He, couldn't make a, he could not make a point of contact. He could not receive what he wanted to receive. And what's very uh, interesting is that the thing... Or things that normally allowed him to get his way was not the things that allowed him to get his way with Jesus. It's very important for us to realize the things that might get our way in life may not be the things that allow us to get our way with God. So he was a chief and he was a rich man. And usually people in these positions and people with this type of resource has a tendency to get what they want. Even though his position, even though his demeanor, his stature was small, his, his possessions made a way for him. But what makes a way for, with man does not necessarily make a way with God. And it's really important to realize this. He was a man that, quote, had it all, but he was a man that was still small. He was a man that had it all with the world, but he was a man that had it small with God. And we can find ourselves in that predicament. Maybe we are chief in some form or, form, some form or format. 
Maybe we have authority, maybe we have influence, maybe we have resources. But the big question is, when it comes to God, are we tall or are we small? If Jesus came walking through our community, would we have access to Jesus because we're tall with him? Or would we be closed off to Jesus because we're small to him? See, when God moves, when God wants to do a thing in the land, when God is establishing or moving in a church, when revival was breaking out, your position in life and your possessions at home doesn't matter. Because position in life and possessions at home does not make us tall with God. In fact, if we're not careful, they can make us small with God. We can be chiefs and we can be rich, but yet we can still be small with God. What does that mean? It means that we can be small in faith. It means we can be small in love. It means we can be small in worship. It means we can be small in obedience to God. It means we can be small in the fruits of the Spirit. It means we can be small with the gifts of the Spirit. It means we can be small in spiritual authority. It means we can be small in knowing the Word. The Bible speaks of having a disadvantage, and that disadvantage is possessing the world but losing our soul. When we're small with God, there is, there is a risk, there is a possibility of losing our soul. When you really begin to walk with God and you surrender your life and your heart and your mind to him, one of the transformations that begins to occur through a process is the exchange of small and tall. The priorities and the importance, what seemed to be of a tall importance prior to Christ, ends up usually becoming a small priority when you really begin to walk with Christ. The second little section here is going from small to tall. Look at someone and say, we need to go from small to tall. But then tell them, not that I'm saying you're small. Verse 4 says that he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, Jesus, for he was going to pass that way. I got some interesting points for you in this talk. He ran ahead. What does that mean? He ran ahead. Number one, it means that he was getting prepared. What's interesting to me is that his Position and his possessions wasn't cutting it for his soul. He wanted to get to Jesus, but he couldn't. And no no matter what he did and no matter what he had, it didn't make a way for him. He couldn't change the fact that he was small. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually. 
And it didn't set right with him. It didn't register right with him. And he realized there needed to be a change. He realized that what he had and what he had done up to this point was not enough to get him to the point in Jesus that he wanted to get to. And there always comes a point in life on our journey of faith when we realize what we've been doing and what we've been saying and where we've been going and how we've been praying just ain't cutting it that we want to go to another level we want to dig a little bit deeper and we need to make that happen through Jesus but in order for that to happen we're going to have to change some things around and he came to a point where he realized he needed to change some things around and in order to change some things around he had to get prepared for what Jesus was about to do and if we're ever going to change anything around, the first thing we got to realize is what we have ain't going to get us to where we need to go, and we need to get our hearts prepared so that we can meet Jesus when he comes passing our way. Are you breathing tonight? He ran ahead to put that in a bit of context for life application for you and I. Is He, got, he began to get his life in order. He began to get his mind renewed. He started softening his heart. He began to realize what he could do with his hands and his feet for the kingdom of God. I'm reminded of Esther in the Old Testament, how before she met the king, she had 12 months of getting prepared. In that story, Esther represents the church and the king represents Jesus. And before she even faced the king, before she presented herself to the king, she had to get herself prepared. And if we're ever going to present ourselves to Jesus, and if we ever expect Jesus to take notice on who we are so we can ascend to another level, then we need to, we need to go into preparation mode and get our hearts, get our minds, get our hands, get our feet, get our whole being ready for whatever Jesus wants to do for us. Life in order, mind renewed, a soft heart, hands and feet ready to rock and roll. But that wasn't it. He didn't just run anywhere. He could have ran to the north. He could have ran to the south. He could have ran to the east. He could have ran to the west. He could have ran back to his home. He could have ran to his buddy's home. He could have ran to his place of business. But that wasn't going to cut it. He had to run to where Jesus was going to be or going to end up. And so what he had to do is he had to take notice and recognize where Jesus was headed and go where Jesus was headed before Jesus got there. Am I making sense? It's not just about going and doing. It's just not about running around like a wild, crazy Christian, like a wild, crazy church person. No, it's about being specific. It's about having the mind of Christ, a discernment of the Spirit, an ear that hears the Spirit, a heart that recognizes what the Spirit is doing in your life and where Jesus is going to be in your life and getting yourself prepared for what God wants to do in you, through you, and to you in the near future. 
He knew where Jesus was going to be, so he ran ahead to a specific point so he can be in a position to get noticed by God. Another point is he had to know what to do. You can't just run, and you can't just end up being in a certain place you got to know what to do when you get there. And this was specific to him. It was something different than anybody else was doing, but it was something that he had to do. It was resourceful. He had to use the resources at hand. He had to be willing to take a risk. He had to be willing to do something different. He had to do something specifically that allowed him to not, only view, not, not to only view God, but to be in the view of God. Some people want to view God. They want to see a miracle. They want to see a sign and wonder. They want to see a blessing. What I respect about Zacchaeus is he didn't just get in a spot to view God, but he got in a spot to be viewed by God. And if you really want to get a change going in your life, if you really want what God has for you, don't get in a spot to see God, but get in a spot where God takes notice of you. Smack somebody and say, you need to wake up. You should have said amen. Thank you. So what did he do? What did he have to do? He had to climb a tree. This required effort. <gasps> yes, you got to put forth effort when you want to get God's notice. This required some discomfort. Yes, God doesn't buy into our microwave society and wrap up in a blanket on a cold day and call it quits. This required something that he was not naturally good at. Think about it. When you climb a tree, when you climb anything, there is always effort required. I was, where I was raised in Mississippi was an area that where, where uh, very big pine trees was raised. Uh, there was a lumber company uh, in the region called Warehouser. And so... Just naturally, there was giant pine trees where we lived at, and then close to where we lived at was just acres and acres of purposely planted pine trees that would grow 20, 25 years, and then Warehouser would come in, cut them down, and turn them into uh, uh, lumber. And so, not only were there pine trees, but you know, we, we, you name it, basically we had it from oak to hickory to maple to pecan and small, large, big. And some, we, we, you know, I, I, I was a climber since I was young, and I found joy climbing as high as I could possibly go in those trees. And every single time I climbed, there was always an effort. It wasn't easy. It got to a point where it was uncomfortable. When you're 20, 30, 40 foot off the ground and you're only 10 years old, it's a bit uncomfortable. And it was always an unnatural setting. I wasn't made 
to sleep with the birds or the squirrels in the trees. What was hard was coming down. It was actually easy going up. I, I'd go up like Tarzan when I came down. It was like a cat coming down. <laughs> but I swore they would never call no fire, firemen on me if I had to jump down and break my legs. But anyway, my point is climbing a tree required effort, discomfort, an unnatural setting. Sometimes in order to get into a position for God to see us, we have to be willing to put forth effort. God doesn't respect people who does not work, whether that's work in the spirit, work in life, or work, work at whatever needs to get done. We have to be willing to sacrifice, that's where discomfort comes in. You might have to let go of some things. You might have to change some things. You might have to disconnect from some people. And it may not be fun. It may not be enjoyable. You might be misunderstood. You might be persecuted. But you have to remind yourself you're getting in position to be seen by God so you can receive by God. And it might be very unnatural for you. It may not be something that you're used to doing. Maybe God wants you to pray more and you're not used to praying any more than five minutes. Maybe God wants you to take a step of faith and pray for, pray for somebody. You don't even like talking to people. Maybe God wants you to give a chunk of money and you've been saving for five years. Whatever it might be, God might have you get in, get in a position that's unnatural. I use the term might, but I'm really fooling you. Because just going off of the Bible, anybody who leveled up and received more of God was always required to go and to get inside of a position that was a bit unnatural, a bit uncomfortable, and it required effort. Zacchaeus had to humble himself in this. Now think of this. Number one is a Middle Eastern man. A middle, middle, the older and I get it out here in a second. The older a Middle Eastern man becomes, the more reserved they become. The more prosperous, the more of a higher reputation they have. Again, the more reserved. So here you have this Middle Eastern man that was had a high uh, uh, position of, of authority and job, and, and was wealthy. For him to climb a tree required absolute humility because a man of his stature, a man of his wealth, and possibly a man of his age would never climb a tree. He was too good for that. But he had to do what he needed to do, not so that he could see God, but so that God could see him. And sometimes that requires going through a season of humility, humbling, surrender, submission, and losing the pride of life that we so easily attach to. And then, here, here's the kicker. 
Not only did he have to extend effort, not only was he in discomfort, not only was it unnatural, not only was it humiliating, but then he had to wait. It's one thing to have to do all these things. It's another thing to have to wait and keep doing all these things. You're like, God, get me through this. God, I'm over this. I am sick of this work and this effort. I am sick of sacrificing. I'm sick of being in a place where I don't want to be, and it's just not natural to me. And I'm sick of being on the bottom of the totem pole and humbling myself when I know I'm better. But God says, I ain't made it your I ain't got to you yet. I ain't made it your way yet. Just wait. He had to wait. We don't know how long he waited in that tree. We don't know how far that tree was from Jesus. All we know that Jesus was walking and that joker took off running. And he climbed the tree. And it was a throng of people. Jesus could have been stopped left and right. What should, left and right. Yeah, yeah, left and right. What could have been a three-minute walk could have been a 30-minute walk because he had a thousand people he was trying to get through. Like when you leave a concert, what normally takes five minutes to leave, you're sitting there for 50 minutes trying to leave that place. Because a thousand people is trying to bottleneck out of the same parking lot. And he had to wait, and he had to wait, and he had to wait, and he had to wait. But guess what? These things, the effort, the sacrifice, the unnatural setting, the humiliation, and the waiting, what it did is it positioned himself for a perfect time not to see God, but a perfect time for God to see him. And when God sees you, that's when changes happen. Amen. I don't want to just see God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It tickles my fancy. Yes, I get chicken skin. Yes, woo, gives me something to praise about. But I don't want to just see him. I want him to see me. Because I know if he sees me, if he turns his eyes to me, and I've done all these things, then he's going to stop, and he's going to bless me, and he's going to empower me, and he's going to bring me up to a new level. The third section when God looks up at you. Mm, I think I like that better than you do. When God, think about it, when God looks up at you. We're used to God looking down upon us. But the Bible says, So you don't think I'm just paraphrasing here. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him. What this this means a whole lot, but what this means, hmm, thank you, Jesus is that Zacchaeus transcended from an earthly plane to a heavenly plane. Jesus was operating on an earthly plane because he was a God that became a man that could die for the world for the sin he did not commit. He was on an earthly plane. But Zacchaeus made some choices that took him to a heavenly plane. 
And when Jesus walked by on an earthly plane, he looked up to Zacchaeus on a heavenly plane, and it got Jesus' attention. Because what Jesus was looking at was not a man just in a tree on an earthly plane, but what Jesus was looking at was a man that transcended from the earthly to the divine and was waiting to meet God one-on-one as God promised would happen. Sometimes in order to get God's attention, we have to leave the natural and transcend to the unnatural or the spiritual or the divine or where God wants us to be so that he can see us in this place. Am I making sense this tonight? When you get God's attention, Like Jesus, Zacchaeus changed what his attention or his focus on. Not Zacchaeus, Jesus. Jesus changed his interactions. And Jesus changed his plans. Let me say that again. Because because of where Zacchaeus was, Jesus Jesus changed his attention Think about it. Jesus is walking. There's a thousand people around him. He was headed in a specific direction. But all of a sudden, his attention went from an earthly nature to a divine nature, and it changed. Not only did his attention change, his interactions changed. He was walking with his crew, had a thousand people around him, and all of a sudden, he just stopped. I'm sure all the people just... And his interaction turned towards Zacchaeus. So his attention changed, his interactions changed, and then his plans changed. We don't know what Jesus' plans was, but Jesus let us know what his plans was going to be. He said, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree immediately or in haste. For I must come to your house. Hmm. Jesus met Zacchaeus on a very spiritual plane. But Jesus wanted to interact with Zacchaeus in an earthly plane. In his house, in his domain where he was at, and with what he needed. It's, how can I explain this? Okay, Mount Transfiguration. It's one thing like the disciples. You go up like they did on this mountain, and they experienced God. They heard God speak. They saw the two witnesses. It was so sacred, so powerful. It was like, let's build a temple here. That was them being taken to a divine plane, to an, to an unnatural, to a spiritual plane. But they was not in a place just for their needs to be met. You, you, you've heard the statement that we can be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good, right? 
Like we can be so into the spirit that we just forget about, hey, we got responsibilities, we got families, we got the devil, we, we got issues going on. We can't always be up in heavenly la-la land and forget about what we got to do here on earth. So Zacchaeus, what this represents is in order for Zacchaeus to get God's attention, he had to transcend to this, to this godly level. But where Jesus wanted to really meet with him and interact with him was on an earthly level. And so get this, there's going to be times you're going to be in your prayer closet. There's going to be times you're going to be worshiping God. There's going to be times when you have these experiences in a heavenly or divine position, but where God really wants to meet you at is through your day-to-day operation. He wants you to meet. He wants to meet you on your job. He wants to meet you in your house. He wants to meet you in your family. He wants to meet you where you really live life, where you really struggle and where you really battle and where you really hurt and where you really have needs. Jesus didn't climb up that tree to talk with him. Jesus said, I must, I must, I must, as if it was divine, a divine appointment, a plan made in heaven, a plan dictated by God from the beginning of Zacchaeus's life and Jesus said I must he didn't say can I come to your house he didn't say I want to come to your house he said I must come to your house you got my attention because you transcended from the earth to the divine but now I want to walk with you and I want to talk with you and I want to work with you on the plane in which you live in amen hmm God wants to walk with us, and God wants to move in us, and God wants to bless us in our house. In our house, in in, in, in the place to where we just live, in the place that's just us. He He didn't want the Zacchaeus in the tree, even though Zacchaeus in the tree got his attention. Why he wanted, man, was Zacchaeus in his home. See, God just doesn't want what you look like, what you sound like, and how you act when you come to church. God really wants to be with you in your bedroom, in your bathroom, in your car, in your job, in your yard, when you struggle, when it's good, on the mountain, in the valley. God just doesn't want you to be in this heavenly plan, but he wants to meet you where you really are because if you can allow him into your house, bless the Lord, he'll bless your house. He'll prosper your house. He'll give your house victory. He'll give your house strength. And you'll be able to say, for me in my house. I'm going to serve the Lord. When you invite Jesus into your house, it's on a different level. It's not on this plane of just divine and spiritual experiences, but it's in this area, it's in this domain to where that, where you live life and where you're real and where there is struggle and where there's heartache. And Jesus is like, I want to come to your house. Let me change the vernacular. Not, he don't just want to come to your house. He's saying, just like he said to Zacchaeus, I must come to your house. We can have a tendency to think that the beauty of this and the power of this is him climbing a tree and getting Jesus' attention. But no, 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 no. That's only the start of it. The beauty and the power of it is when Zacchaeus welcomed him into his house. Because that's how we know Zacchaeus was on board. It's one thing to come to church and welcome Jesus. It's another thing to welcome Jesus into your house. 
Because it changes everything. You don't battle in the church like you battle in the house. The devil don't fight you in the church like he fights you in your house. You don't have relational conflict in the church like you have relational conflict in the house. Your children don't treat you in the church like they treat you in the house. Are you breathing tonight? You get what I'm saying? And in order to really live through all that, to be victorious through all that, to be blessed through that, Jesus has to come into the house. And you know you're legit, right? You know you're legit, too legit to quit. You know you're legit when Jesus comes into the house. And I ain't talking about clean your house up, make sure all the dishes is put away, make sure the dirty clothes is shoved in the closet, kind of come over to my house. Come on over now, Jesus, because it's all clean. No, I'm talking about Jesus, come on, come on into my house. My underwear's in the middle of the floor. I got three-day-old dishes in the sink. I got cockroaches running out from under the refrigerator because I haven't cleaned it in a month. Come on, Jesus, come over to the house where there is nasty and dirty and stinky, just like I had an all-nighter the night before. Come on over into my house. Are you breathing? Are you breathing? You have to allow Jesus. And Jesus, I must, I must, I must come into your house. And I love the end of this. Oh, I didn't put it in here. Maybe I have it on my computer. Well, I'll paraphrase. He came into the house, and the Bible says that Zacchaeus was saved. Zacchaeus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. In fact, this shows you the level of commitment. Zacchaeus said, if there is anybody that I mistreated, that I cheated, that I stole from because of my work and because of my past, I will repay them fourfold. So if I stole a hundred, I'm giving them four hundred. If I stole a thousand, I'm giving them four thousand. And if I stole four thousand, I'm giving them sixteen thousand. If I stole a hundred thousand, I'm giving them four hundred thousand. You see, the heart of a man changed because he welcomed Jesus into his house. If you really, really, really want the blessings, the goodness, and the power of God in your life, you can't just want to get God's attention through some deep praise and worship, even though that's cool. You got to be willing to let Jesus come into your house. Because that's where it really matters. Amen? So the story is way more than just about a short dude up in a tree that could have fallen out and broke his neck. The story is about a dude that couldn't reach Jesus until he transcended to a divine position and then was willing to allow Jesus to come into his earthly domain. And his whole life was changed. Thank you, Lord. And that, that's usually what happens. When you get saved, 
it's a treetop experience. But after you get saved, you go back to life. And in order to stay saved, I know that's not popular among certain teachings, but in order to stay saved, we got to have Jesus come into our house. Right? You can have an experience with the Holy Ghost. Those of you who believe in speaking in tongues, you can have this experience to where you're baptized uh, in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. That's a treetop experience. But guess what? It can't stop right there. You got to get back down in your house. And guess what? You need to start speaking in tongues in your kitchen, in your bedroom, in your den, in your car, when you walk in, when you run in, and so forth. There's all these moments where you're going to have a divine experience with God. And you always have a divine experience with God, not because of what God does, but because of what you do. Unless God's just singling you out and trying to make a point to you. Those are exceptions to the rule, not the rule of thumb. Usually the rule of thumb is we get God's attention and we transcend into a divine position because of something we do. But then it doesn't stop there. When we receive something from God in that divine position, that treetop experience, now we got to invite Jesus in and we got to live it out in a daily, earthly, in our house way. Amen? I've seen it too many times. And I know I'm going down a rabbit trail, but I got a few minutes there. I've seen it too many times. People get touched by the Holy Ghost. People get saved. People uh, uh, get stirred up from a good message, from a good word. And they have this divine treetop experience, but they don't take that experience into their house or into their life or into their job. And what happens is they just leave and they just go back to the life they were living before that divine experience. And it was as if it was a waste and they never received the totality of God's blessing or the benefit of it like God wanted them to receive. Because they did not take that divine experience or the fruit from that divine experience into their house, into their life. Don't let God touch you and then you just go live how you used to live. When God touches you, there is going to be a fruit because God always produces fruit. His word does not come back void. God always produces fruit. When God touches you, make sure you take that fruit to your life and you live and you chew and you eat on that fruit and let it be nourishment to your soul, your mind, your body, and your whole life. Amen. Hallelujah. I better shut up or I'm going to keep on for another hour. Stand to your feet if you would, please. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, May we be so willing like Zacchaeus to apply some effort to get uncomfortable. We'd be willing to do something that may not be so natural to us so that we can be in a position of divinity, so that we can be in a position that is supernatural, that is heavenly, so that we can get your attention and from your attention receive a blessing, receive a fruit, receive some type of something from you, God, so therefore we can take it back into our house, into our life, into our circumstance, into our job. May we not experience you gain a fruit and then just let it rot. But may we, but may we live from it, eat from it, May we give from it. May we bless from it. May may we be blessed from it. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for favor. I pray for protection over my family. I pray for a divine moment so that they can have an earthly experience with you. 
in the name of Jesus Christ. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally through this message and continues to encourage you throughout the coming weeks.